right, hey, if you're new, uh, tune in just for a second. We have a class coming up. If you've been interested in joining uh, the church here, if you want to find out a little bit more about us, we have a one-hour class happening on November 6th. Uh, right after this 1030 service, uh, and, and we've tried to make it super easy on you. We have child care and snacks and drinks, so uh, November 6th is our Intro to Harvest class, so you can sign up for that. We have a new Dwell Bible reading plan starting today. Some of you are probably like, what is Dwell? Let me give you a 20-second rundown. Dwell is basically an audio Bible that you can get on your phone. We as a church know the importance of just staying in the Bible consistently, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. And so we as a church have also subscribed to Dwell. Uh, and, and so it's paid for for you. You can join us. Uh, there's an info sheet on the welcome desk if you're interested in getting the audio Bible uh, on your phone. And so uh, it's, it's an amazing app, and I think that you'll find it to be a blessing. Those of you who do have Dwell, you know what to do to sign up for the new plan. Uh, hey, the guys are going to show a video for our missions month in just a second. But before they do, um, I just want to remind you guys uh, on this pamphlet, the back of it, that Sunday evening service is happening next week. Uh, at 6 p.m. It's going to be a special service. We have a bunch of missionaries joining us. There's going to be testimonies given. Uh, there's going to be preaching. And so it's going to be a special uh, time. And we hope that you would come out for that. Uh, at this time, we're going to see the video. So guys, you can go ahead and play it. Through Harvest, we are seeing mission work push forward globally in a powerful way. But we're also seeing mission work happen right here in the U.S. Now more than ever, our nation needs vibrant, gospel-preaching, grace-centered, faithful churches. And we want to pour into young churches and ministries that support those churches as often as we can. Over the past year, we have helped finance nearly 20 young churches and U.S.-based ministries with more than $50,000. Your faithful and generous investments are bearing a tremendous harvest through these ministries. And today we wanted to highlight the top 12 investments we made this last year. Let's take a quick tour around the country and see where our funds went. Mike Clark, church planter in the South Hills. Roger Knapper, missionary to the prisons. Jim Bracelin, missionary to the deaf of America. Jehovah Jireh Ministries of Baltimore, Maryland. Christian Law Association, Indian Creek Baptist Camp of Indiana, David Azzarello, church planter in Kernersville, North Carolina, Donald Savini, church planter in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Jake Weedo, church planter in Lafayette, Louisiana, Brian Shannon, missionary to the Tohono O'odham Indians of Arizona, Caleb Finley, church planter in the Bay Area of California, Travis Medeiros, church planter on the island of Oahu. Hello, Harvest Baptist Church. This is Donald Savini, your church planter to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Just wanted to personally thank you for your prayers, for your financial support, for everything you've done for my family. Coastline Baptist Church is on the move. We've seen people saved. We've had several baptized, and uh, we're getting ready to start discipleship classes in the next few weeks, and uh, we're just so excited. So thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And we just want to thank you so much for the many, many years of support that you've given to us in our ministry. You have prayed for us, you have given to us, and we are thankful. Your church was really important in helping us to buy the first camera that we bought to make videos for the deaf. We've been doing that every week since uh, 2016, and we want to thank you. 
You have invested in us and there have been many, many, many deaf over these years who have been able to see the gospel and Bible teaching. You guys are helping to make a difference. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to hosting your group next year for day camp and excited to see what the Lord has in store. But we just so appreciate all of your prayers and financial support. Thank you so much. Hey, Harvest Baptist Church family, Caleb Finley here. My wife, Autumn, and I moved to Dublin, California a couple of years ago to start a brand new church. We launched back in February and God is blessed. I just want to thank you for your donation to us. And I want to thank you for your heart for church planners. It's because of churches like you that we're able to do what we do. And so thank you for having a heart for church planners and thank you for your donation to us here at Baylight. And you've been so faithful to us over the years with your missions giving and helping us with our building. But here at Legacy, through your support and helping us start Legacy, we've supported 15 church planters on a monthly basis right now and over 63 church planters we've helped uh, through the course of the 12 years here. Well, we sure do appreciate your furtherance of the gospel in this area and to the regions beyond. Well, we hope you have a great missions conference. God bless you. And thanks for allowing us to be part of your ministry. We sure do appreciate you. This summer, we will get to make a special investment in Brian Shannon and the Tohono O'odham Indian Reservation. In June, we will be leading a mission trip to Arizona, and we would love for you to be a part. Brian and his family are doing an incredible work in this beautiful yet spiritually needy place. And God is using this family to make an impact on the community around them. And we believe God can use you to make an impact on this community. Consider coming to the interest meeting for this trip that is being hosted today after the 1030 service in room 400. On top of all this, today we get to host American missionaries to Tanzania, Jerry and Rachel Wyatt. They are seeing people come to faith and be baptized and discipled. And their story is a testimony of God's grace and provision. But don't just take my word for it. Watch this video to see for yourself. has been building a work in Tanzania. Faith Baptist Church of Morogoro is a vibrant body of believers averaging over 600 each week. We have been privileged to help plant four churches, Faith Baptist Church of Kaseke, of Damila, of Magu, and of Kaseke Zawani. 
Faith Baptist College trains Tanzanians in preparation for serving God in the ministry. We were excited to have our first two graduates in 2022. Voice of Life Radio is a 24-hour station broadcasting Christian programming and the gospel to our city and surrounding area. God has used this tool to reach many with the gospel. Amani Feeding Center feeds over 25 children in need two meals a day, six days a week. They receive both physical nourishment as well as spiritual training as they are taught the Bible each day. We were able to purchase land and build a permanent building to feed these children. The first stage of building faith is completed and we have begun using this beautiful new building. The Tanzanian Stadium Crusade is a professional soccer match hosted by our church where the gospel is preached during the halftime. God has used this annual event to see a total of over 60,800 people receive a clear presentation of the gospel with a total of 7,803 accepting Christ as their Savior over the past eight years. Nearly every year, partnering with doctors and nurses from the States, we hold a week-long medical clinic. People are given free medical care to help with their physical needs, and then we share the gospel with them one-on-one. -on -one. In total, we have seen over 11,300 people treated and 3,401 accept Christ. to celebrate our 20th anniversary of Faith Baptist Church. Many, many hundreds of people there. We saw many saved, baptized on an exciting day. And really looking back on the goodness of God over these past 20 years, we're asking God to do some amazing things even in the next 20 years. We are excited about the next stage of building faith there at our church. And uh, this next stage will be uh, classrooms, uh, kitchen, um, office space and we're excited. God's already provided the finances for us to build this and as soon as we get back uh, for our next term we'll start building on this. Another exciting opportunity God has allowed for us is our 2024 Stadium Crusade. I'm here at the National Stadium in Dar es Salaam and it's in this stadium, Lord willing, 
July of 24, we will seek to pack this stadium and preach the gospel. As we have done now for, it'll have been 10 years in Morogoro, this will be the 10 year anniversary of the Tanzanian Stadium Crusade. And so help us pray. Uh, we just wanna preach the gospel. We wanna reach people wherever we can. And we're excited to see what God has for the Tanzanian Stadium Crusade 2024. Along with all of the exciting things that we see God doing these next few years, this next term, we'll continue to do the same thing. Uh, continue preaching the gospel, continue reaching people, continue starting churches as the Lord allows, continue training uh, believers, and continuing at getting men, women, children into church. Thank you so much for praying for us, for giving. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Thank you for coming and visiting us. We enjoy so much the groups that have come. We're excited to see what God has here at Faith Baptist Church in Morrowville, This is just a quick snapshot of what God is doing through your generosity. He's changing lives across the country and around the world. Would you pray for our missionary partners? Pray that God will encourage these ministry leaders and provide for their needs. Pray that God would give them fantastic fruit for the gospel. Pray that God will continue to equip us as a church so that we can play a larger role in church planting across the country. Continue to pray and give. See you next week. I'm sorry that video got a little bit glitchy. That was on our end. Uh, Jerry gave us a perfectly working video and we messed it up somehow. I'm not sure how we did that. But uh, we show these videos and we bring missionaries here because we want you to see stories and to see people and to see faces of the missionaries and of our missions program. We don't just want it to be, I give to something and it goes to these pins on a map. And I don't know who those people are. Yeah, I know their name, but, but what are they doing? And what do they look like? These are real people that are reaching other real people and trying to see souls, not just saved, but impacted for the cause of Christ. And it's important that we take the time this month and that we understand the importance of this work that we do. Uh, they're not just real people. They're real people with big boats, apparently. How many of you all wanted that boat? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Donald told me, he said, they were at like a family's house or a friend's house or something, and, and he had to go outside to film it. He said, tell the people, that's not my boat. That's not my house. You're not going to give me any money if you think that that's mine. So, uh, but they're real people. They're real people without boats. But uh, we show this because we're, we're really, we're building all to the end of the month, uh, to, uh, next week to be able to decide again, what do we want to do this year? How do we want to contribute to world evangelism and to mission? So you know this probably already, but inside of your bulletin is this little card. And next week, we're going to do three things. Uh, it's your last chance to turn in your boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, next week, we will collect these cards. This is the staple of our missions program. They're anonymous, but come prepared. Think about it. Pray about it. What do you want to give and what do you want to do? I would encourage you that if you have a habit of giving already, don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Keep giving. And if you don't have a habit, then maybe consider starting it. You can even start small and go big. You can start big too. That's fine. But this helps us. They're anonymous. You just, you, you end up turning this in and you keep one for yourself. But it helps us plan and know how much money we anticipate to come in through the next 12 months for a missions program. And I told you last week, we, we had a record-breaking year last year. Our goal was $325,000 and we hit 370. I mean, we just shattered our goal. And I'm hoping that we can even do more than last year. I know that prices are up and stocks are down. I get it. 
but there's not less people and there's not more time. There, there's not less souls that need salvation and need the, the news of Jesus. So I hope that we'll contribute to that. We'll also next week take up just a free will, a love offering, just a cash offering. Um, you can designate as you normally do, but on, on top of what you would normally give, we will have six missionary guests with us next Sunday. And we sent out some little birdies and we figured out some needs that they have. Uh, so these are some needs. Ed Bordell had just a variety of personal uh, needs. There were too many to mention. Uh, the Simons, they're doing some updates on some classrooms at their Bible college there in India. The Nappers are actually relocating their ministry to Texas from Pennsylvania, and they have some, some extra costs there. The Sages uh, want to start another new church there in Mexico, and they want the funds to all go to that church plant. Pastor Ackham needs some funds for a ministry vehicle we'd love to contribute to. And then Biz, they need some chairs for their church. All of these are going to be in the neighborhood. There's shipping for Operation Christmas Child, too. I forgot that one. All of these are in the neighborhood of $3,000. And our goal next week is to come together and everybody bring some extra cash or, or an extra check and put it together and to, and to bless each of these missionaries by taking a $3,000 chunk out of some of the projects that they have going and just saying, we wanna help you and we wanna be a blessing to you. So I hope that you will do that. And I know as a pastor, our normal offering every mission Sunday, uh, it always dips a lot. And I know that's gonna happen, but I'm okay with that. Let's just bless these missionaries and, and let's, I take it back, I'm not okay with it, but I've learned to live with it. Does that, does that make sense? I worry about those things, but we wanna bless them. That's the most important thing next Sunday. It's the most important thing. So today you do get to hear from the Wyatts are with us. I wanna ask Jerry to come up to the stage. Uh, before he says a word, we actually have a presentation. Uh, can, the, can Aaron and the kids, can you guys come up here? Uh, our kids have been every single Wednesday especially, but they have been bringing uh, their quarters and their nickels and their little dollars over the course of many months, and uh, they have been learning generosity in our junior churches, and they have, they have a gift that they would like to present uh, to Jerry. So I'm going to have Aaron, who leads this. Aaron, thank you. He spearheads us every single year. We already spoiled it. You know the amount right now. Um, <clears throat> but Aaron, go ahead. Uh, take his mic, if you would. Take Jerry's there, and tell us a little bit about what the kids have been doing. So uh, during Awana, we have a program. It's called Quarters for Christ, and we encourage the kids to uh, contribute to that each week so that we can help missionaries have children's ministries so our children are helping other children throughout the world. And so for a year now, we've been praying for the Wyatts, and we've been bringing our quarters every week. And um, so we just, we prayerfully consider, you know, what God would have us to do, ask how we can best pray for the, the missionaries, and then, um, and then these are the results of what happens. And God always amazes with what he can do. And all of our kids, they, they really get excited about the missionaries that we're supporting. So if you're encouraged by that, could you encourage them by giving them a round of applause? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can't read it over there, it's... Uh... It's $1,536.64 is what our kids have contributed to missions over the last year. So well done, guys. Well done. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And uh, we as a church family are going to take a little bit of money from our missions budget. And we're going to add on top of that to bless uh, the Wyatts while, while they're here with us this weekend. Uh, but that's important that you don't just learn generosity, but that our kids learn generosity as well, even if it's in small ways. So, Jerry, thanks for being here. Take a few minutes, greet the church family, and tell us what's going on. Well, uh, this is 
That's amazing. Uh, thank you so much. And I think we'll be able to thank the children here in a few moments. But um, thank you, church. We sure appreciate your church. We were here uh, 11 years ago, and uh, your church picked us up for support, and you've been supporting us ever since. And so everything that you saw on the video there, all the faces, all the people that have trusted Christ over these years, if you've been giving and praying, you've had a part in that. And uh, that's exciting. It's the greatest investment I believe that you can make is investing into God's work in your local church and through missions giving. And so uh, if you're not doing that, I'd encourage you. What a, what a great opportunity. I could share with you many, many stories of individuals who've trusted Christ over the years. And uh, every week, as far as I can remember, we have had people trust Christ uh, through the different outreaches, whether it be through our public school ministry, through the Bible clubs, that we have throughout our city uh, or um, uh, through our outreaches, the crusade, the medical groups, um, our radio, all of these things, just trying to get the gospel out. Everything that we do is gospel-centered, and so our feeding center, we everything we do, we try to share the gospel, and uh, that's what it's all about. If you'd pray for three things as we head back, you saw in the video, uh, our building project, as soon as we get back, we'll start breaking ground for that. The Lord has already provided all the finances for that. We have the blueprints uh, done, and so... I'll be submitting those for permits, and then, Lord willing, in January, break ground. And so uh, we'll start that as soon as we get back. And then our crusade. So the 2024 crusade will be the 10-year anniversary of the crusade that we have done every year. And ne this uh, coming year, we'll do it for the uh, ninth time, and then 2024 will be 10 years. And we're doing this in our capital city, uh, which is a city of about 5 million people. And uh, we're renting out that stadium that you saw. And so that's a 60,000-seat stadium. And so really pray. This is really the biggest thing we've uh, endeavored to do and uh, biggest outreach. And so uh, we're excited about it. We already have the funds for it. And so uh, we've already begun preparation. And we're printing 60,000 John enrollments and all of that. And I don't know how many Lord will bring, uh, 40, 50, who knows. Uh, but we are going to advertise TV, billboards, everything. And so really pray for that. Everybody that will come in will get a John and Romans, a decision card, and then we'll preach the gospel during the halftime. So there's a soccer match that's played, and then we do the halftime show. And, uh, and then the final thing is an, an interesting um, outreach ministry to the Maasai. And I can't get into the story, all of that, but uh, we've had the opportunity to reach into this uh, group of people. They're, they're really... Uh, they, they hold on to their traditional ways. They wear the red outfits, if you've ever seen a documentary on them. And uh, over the years, we've never really had an opportunity. But here recently, uh, in fact, in June, I was able to baptize the first two Maasai. And uh, that was very exciting. And so when we get back, Lord willing, we'll be able to start a Bible study for these Maasai and then start churches in their villages. They've invited us already to start churches. And uh, so pray for us about all of these different things. Please grab one of our prayer cards and um, try out the virtual reality. Uh, back there, you can visit our church uh, virtually and uh, can go down the, the aisle of one of our services and uh, through virtual reality. And so I hope you'll stop by our table afterwards. Um, I don't think I introduced my wife, Rachel. She's up here, and David, and then we have Kate, Andrew, and Lauren, and they're in junior church. So I hope you'll stop by and, and shake our hand. We'd love to meet you. Thank you. Would you join me in thanking you for being here today? 
I didn't know I was going to get virtual reality when I came to church today, but I'm excited to try those goggles on and to, uh, and to take a tour around the church in that way. And I hope that you'll meet them. I hope that you'll love on them. They're going to go spend some time with our kids because the kids have been praying for them and learning about them for many months now. Uh, and so they, they get to, to go with them during the second service. But treat them like royalty today. They're normal people. Uh, they, they put their pants on one leg at a time just like you do. Uh, but it is... It is unique, I dare say even a unicorn, when you have a missionary who not only makes it to the field, but sticks on the field for decades. That really is, it's relatively unheard of. And we want to celebrate that and we want to be a blessing to them today. So I hope that you will be a blessing to them today and just love on them. We'll take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter number one. You ready? Are you ready for a good sermon today? I don't know if I'll deliver on your readiness, but I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Revelation chapter number one. You say, I thought we were in Revelation chapter 2. We are, but I'm going to read one verse from Revelation 1 before we get there. So look in verse number 19. We mentioned this last week, but this is the table of contents for the book of Revelation. Revelation has more or less three sections. And we are about to embark on section two. We already covered section one. So here's what it says in Revelation 1.19. Write the things which thou hast seen, that's section one, the things which are, that's section two, and the things which shall be hereafter. And that's a rough sketch of the book. The things which thou hast seen, that was chapter number one, we, that John turned to see the Lord Jesus. And when he saw him, he fell as he were dead. That was chapter number one. Chapters two and three are the things which are. They're letters to churches that were existing in that day and age, real churches on the ground. And although this book is a prophecy, chapters two and three are not all that prophetic. But then when you get to chapter four, you get to the third section, the largest section. It's what you think of when you think of Revelation. That's really chapters four through the end of the book that is primarily concerning things that are to come or things that are in the future. But before we get there, we have chapters two and chapters three, these seven letters to seven churches of Asia Minor. And today we get to talk about Ephesus. Now there's a lot I could say about Ephesus, there's a lot of press about Ephesus in the Bible. Uh, Ephesus was a big city. It was the largest city of Asia Minor. It had a, a tremendous port. It was uh, a great harbor. They had lots of beauty. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world was there. The temple of the goddess of fertility, Diana, or the Greeks would call her Artemis. It was jaw-droppingly beautiful, yet the worship of Diana or Artemis involved lots of immorality, lots of prostitution. This city at its core was a cesspool of debauchery. It would take Las Vegas and make Las Vegas look as though it were daycare. This was a place that was known for its sin. And Paul came to Ephesus, and as was his custom, he preached to the Jews in the synagogue. You can read about it in Acts chapter number 18. And they would not receive him or hear him, so he turned his focus to the Gentiles, these people that were caught up in the pagan idolatry of Diana. And he led them to the Lord, and he began to disciple them, and he be began to teach them the ways of righteousness and how to love the Lord and how to serve the Lord. And he left pretty quickly, but Apollos had a stint there, and, and Paul, when he left, he left Aquila and Priscilla there in Ephesus. Paul came back to Ephesus on his next missionary journey, and there he spent the better part of three years with that church, making Ephesus 
the church that Paul spent the most amount of time with out of all of the churches. It was here that Paul had this emotional departure that he called the Ephesian elders over to Miletus and he said goodbye to them before he went to Jerusalem and ultimately was in chains and delivered to Rome. It was here that he left Timothy to be the pastor, best we know, of this church at Ephesus. And shortly after Timothy was left there, the apostle John made his way to Ephesus and he made that his home base for ministry for almost 30 years. It was from Ephesus, church history tells us, that Paul was exiled to the island of Patmos. So when you're talking about Ephesus, you're talking about a place that had some hitters present with it. You had the most time and attention from Paul. You have a letter to this church already called the book of Ephesians, written to the church at Ephesus. You had Timothy, you had Aquila, you had Priscilla, you had Apollos, you had John for decades. You had a lot of good leadership. And I'm curious to know what this letter from Jesus to the church of Ephesus would say. I'm kind of expecting a good report. And here's what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, and if you remember last week, angel could mean angel. Angel can also mean messenger. I won't take a bullet for this position, but my inclination and my leaning is that this is talking about the messenger of the churches or the one who delivers the messages, uh, the, the pastors of the churches, the leaders of the churches. I want you to write to them, and these things saith he, Jesus, that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Last time I'll refer back to last week, but we covered all that last week. That Jesus holds the pastors and the leaders of the church in his hands. Jesus, the candlesticks were the churches. He's in the middle of his church. He's present. He hasn't forsaken them. He's there. And here's what he says. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And you found them liars and hast borne. And has patience. For my name's sake, thou hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the seven churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So here's what we find in this letter. First, you find this commendation, this attaboy, way to go. You've done a good job. Some praise. Verse number two, it says that they could sweat. It says, I know thy works and thy labor. Verse three, for my name's sake, thou hast labored. There was persistence, there was labor, there was work, there was toil, there was energy, there was sweat in this church. There was a drive. They were, as the old adage says, they were a going church for a coming Lord. They wanted to accomplish something. They wanted to roll up their sleeves. They wanted to go to works. It was this church that was told, if you remember in Ephesians chapter number two, that you're saved by grace and you are saved through faith in the Lord Jesus, but that salvation by grace through faith is unto good works that God has before ordained that you should walk in them. You are his workmanship. What does that mean? You're not saved by works. 
You're not saved by works, but you are saved unto good works. You should do some stuff for the Lord Jesus when he redeems your soul. And they had a hold of that. They knew what it was like to work for God. Now, we know something of what it's like to work and to work hard and to see the efforts of our toil produce something beautiful. And that's extremely rewarding, isn't it? When you work hard towards a goal, whether it be a financial goal or a health goal or a work a quota that you're trying to meet and you work hard and you push and you hit that, it is really rewarding to step back and to admire your hard work. These people knew what that was like in a spiritual arena to work hard for the Lord and to step back and to have their hard work uh, be appreciated. And you have to know that when you serve the Lord, service is work. I don't know if you've ever sought to serve tables or to serve people at a restaurant, but it's work. When we serve the Lord, we work and know that. If you have any area of service, and I hope that you do have an, any, an area of service, if you've been a part of Harvest for any length of time, I hope that you could say, I'm not just a member, but I'm a minister. And if you have an area of service, work at your area of service. Work at it. If you are responsible to teach the Bible to other people, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be a workman, work at it. It takes work, it takes effort, I know. It takes some time. If you're part of the music ministry, work at it. Listen to the soundtracks. Know your part. Practice the part. Beautiful music doesn't happen by accident. That takes some work. It takes some practice. It takes some effort. And music team, I'm grateful for what you do, but don't be lazy about it. If you're in the, if you're in the, in the greeters and you're meeting people, work at the relationships. Relationships require work. If you're with children, work at those relationships. Whatever you do, do it mightily as unto the Lord. Be like the Ephesian church. Take the commendation and model it and say, I want to work. And we need work, right? I think of the house of Stephanus, the people, the family that had addicted themselves to the work of the ministry. They, they had become very fond of working as a family or as a household in the ministry. Families, might I encourage you, go to church, but work while you go to church. First of all, go to church, okay? That, that sometimes is an anomaly to people, but have a habit that is, that is consistent of going to church. Parents that have young children, especially if you have teenage children, I would admonish you to not worship the schedule of your children above God. I would admonish you to not teach your children something that is unbecoming and unfitting for their life that is, you know what, it's a busy season, so we're going we're gonna to take the busyness and we're going to deprioritize our worship. We're going to deprioritize our serving at the church. We're going to deprioritize our work for the Lord, and we'll catch up on the podcast a couple days later, and, and we'll just, we'll put the schedule first. It's, it's a bad thing for a family to have the organizing principle of the family be the academics or be the sports schedule. That doesn't work well. Because then your children, they go off to college and then 70% of them decide that they're not gonna do church anymore and you scratch your head and say, huh, what happened there? I mean, we were members of the church and we went to church, but they could have picked up on, that was second place. 
You were willing to put me up first or you were willing to put the schedule up first or the ball up first and you were willing to abide by that but you, you put God second place and they pick up on that stuff and then they live it out. So go to church, okay, that was for free, but have this idea that you were gonna serve together. You don't have to serve together every second of every day or even every single week, but it's a good thing, parents, to say, okay, you're 10 years old. You can do something. You can contribute. We can serve together as a team. Or we're gonna, I'm going to serve here and you're going to serve there. You can do that. Even with youngsters, you can do that. Work. Be a family that addicts yourself to the ministry. But they not only were commended for their sweat, they also were commended, if you look at it, for their stand. Verse number two, thy patience. Verse number three, you have borne, you have patience. What do you mean thou hast borne? You've borne, what? Jason born, born what? What do you mean born? Thou hast borne, meaning you are bearing up. Bearing up under what? Bearing up under the persecution. Bearing up under the weight of the day. Bearing up under these false apostles that were coming. You are bearing this. Verse number three, you have not fainted. That they knew the principle that in due season they would reap if they fainted not. And their sweat speaks to their effort and their stand speaks to their endurance. That they were willing to stand, they were willing to endure. Some of you are in this zone right now where you're in an endurance zone. Where it's just not going the way that you wanted on multiple levels but you just came out of a storm and you're rolling right into another storm and it feels like this is hard and I'm getting tired and I'm worn out. I don't know how much more of this you can take. Listen, don't mail it in. Tell yourself the truth. This will come to an end, but you don't want to come to an end with it. Keep going. Keep attending. Keep showing up to group. Keep reading your Bible. Well, I'm not getting anything out of it. Keep reading it anyway. Keep praying. Don't forsake the family devotions. Don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Keep contributing to world missions. But my nest egg shrunk. Have you seen the stock market lately? I, I saw it too. I'm with you. But keep giving. Keep tithing. Keep going. Endure. Be patient. Bear up. Bear up. He says, good job. Thumbs up. You know how to sweat. And you know how to stand. And then he says, you know how to separate. He says in verse number two, you can't bear them that are evil. You bear a lot of things, but you don't tolerate evil. You don't just plug your nose and pretend like it's not there. You sniff it out and you get rid of it. Verse number uh, two, you've tried them which say they're apostles and they are not, and you have found them to be liars. Verse number six, this is strong language, Here's what you got, church. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and I, Jesus, I hate them too. Now, he doesn't say I hate the people, but he says I hate their deeds. Love the sinner, hate the sin, and they hated the sin. You say, well, what are the deeds of the Nicolaitans? We're not entirely sure, okay? <laughs> we, we have some rough sketches of what this is. There's three or four prevailing thoughts of even who are the Nicolaitans. The most common thought in early church history that I like to run with because there's overwhelming evidence for it, although it's not completely convincing, is that these were people who followed Nicholas, 
who was one of the original seven deacons in Antioch. You can read about that in Acts chapter number six. You'll find his name. He was one of the original seven deacons. He was a Jewish man who became a Christian man. And church history tells us that he apostatized and he left both Judaism and Christianity and made his own deal. And we at least know this much. The Nicolaitans were the opposite of the Judaizers. You say, great, what is a Judaizer? The Judaizers were the people that were constantly wanting to add rules. Hey, you have the core of Christianity, but we got to go back to the Old Testament law, and we have to do the kosher diet, and we have to implement this, and we have to do the whole, they were wanting to add rules and add rules. The Nicolaitans were on the opposite end of the spectrum, and they were the no rules. Live and let live. You know what? Love is love. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. You know, go for it. As long as you don't hurt anybody, just there's, there's no rules, there's no morality. And you could see how this would have been pervasive there in Ephesus, this, this hotbed of, of not just infertility worship, but this hotbed of fornication. That there would be people that would be tempted to drift back into that and say, let's just get drunk and let's just party and let's just have a good time. And we can kind of marry this to Jesus at the same time. You know, there's enough grace. We can do whatever we want. We know that there, that was about the sum total. We don't know the specifics. We know that much. And Jesus said, I hate that stuff. I hate that claim my name, but then don't live a holy separated life and don't follow my commandments. And church at Ephesus, you stand you are the people that you're letting out the light, but you're screening the bugs. Good job. Way to go. Two thumbs up. But he tells them that there's a little more than commendation. There's also some condemnation. And it's pretty severe. Here's what he says in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And in case you think somewhat means little or trivial, you would be wrong. And we'll find that out in verse number 5. Here's what I have against you. You've left your first love. Left meaning you've disregarded. You've abandoned. You're guilty of desertion. You have deserted your first love, the protoss love, the chief love, the number one love. Now, you tell me what is to be our number one love? What is to be our chief love? That we love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. That's the, that's the first and the greatest commandment. Because you have forsaken the chief love. You work and you're patient and you do a good job standing against wrong and you got your doctrine straight. But you don't love me like you're supposed to. The furnace is still there, but the fire's out. You've stopped. You're active in your service, you're moral in your conduct, you're accurate in your theology, but something is missing. You have strong muscles and you have sure feet and you got a sharp brain, but you got a heart defect. And you better stop curling all those weights and working out those muscles and working real hard and you better fix that heart. There's a problem here. You have forsaken what should be your first priority and that is to adore me and to love me and to worship me and to love me. You're biblically thick, church, but you're devotionally thin. 
You're able to separate truth from error. You're able to know you're not an apostle. You're a liar. You're able to know those deeds are not right. You got that way to go, but you have left your first love. And you have to know that first of all, Satan will gladly give you the pearls of the world if he can keep you from the diamond of Christ's love. He'll, He'll let you run with a whole lot of stuff if he can keep you from that. But you also have to know that it's possible to get along with people who are doctrinally straight and who hate evil, but those people don't love Jesus like they should. That's possible. Let that sink in for a minute. It's possible to have a thick head and good doctrine, but to not have a right heart and love Jesus like you're supposed to. And we just worked through a book of 1 John not too long ago that had a lot to do with doctrine. And we talked about truth and error and, and who's, what's antichrist and what's not antichrist. And we need that as a church, but what, may we never forget that if we get our doctrine straight, but if we don't love Jesus, that that's a problem and that's a severe problem. So severe, listen to the words of verse number five. He gives them what they should do, but then, here's what he says at the end of verse number five. If you don't repent, I will come to you quick and I will remove the candlestick out of this place except thou repent. Now let that sink in. You better change your ways. And if you don't, I will not delay. I will close down this church. I will take the candlestick out. I'll be done. I'm not going to tolerate this It is going to give people the wrong idea of Christianity when they come in and they learn all this doctrine and they learn how to work for the Lord and how to evangelize and what they should do and they learn how to to be strong, but they don't have a heart for me and they don't love me and they don't worship me and that fire isn't burning. I'm not going to put up with that stuff. I'll be done with this church. Now that is a, that's a sterner warning as you can possibly get, right? Right? That's your mom looking at you and saying, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of this world. That's like, that's stop. And he says, I have a lot to commend you for, but we got a problem. Your heart is not in this any longer. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's work or worship. These aren't mutually exclusive. These don't com- combat with each other. Worship while you work. Do both, right? Remember the seven dwarves who whistled while they worked? Worship while you work. You can do both at the same time. It's not have a heart for Jesus, but do nothing and have no doctrine. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, good, keep those things in place, but get back to the core and get back to the heart and worship me as as you are supposed to. I know that the spiritual honeymoon ended, but pick it back up. And here's the correction that he gives them. And if they needed the correction, I dare say that we may need the correction as well. Here it is, verse five. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. There's three things. And it's very simple, but it's very profound. Remember, repent, return. Remember, repent, return. And this actually would be good relationship advice for any relationship you have not just your relationship with Jesus. And I'll apply it to your relationship with Jesus in just a minute. But this is the same advice that you would need if you were in a marriage. 
And you said, you know what? I don't, it just feels like we drifted apart. We're just strangers in the same house. And, and I, I just don't know that we, that we love each other anymore. If you came to me and said that, you know what I would tell you? Remember, repent, and return. Now, I'm not a great counselor. Premarital counseling, I love. It's a good time. Marital counseling, it's a complete drain, and I do not like it. If you come to me for counseling, I'm going to refer you to somebody else who's better at it, and they get joy from it, okay? I'll do a lot of things, but that's not one that I'm good at, and I don't really plan on getting good at it anytime soon. But I would know enough to have one good session with you, and I would tell you this. Remember, you know what? Go have a date, and before your date, write down, the best five dates that you have ever had in your whole relationship. And when you go on this date, do your best to talk only about those memories. And I would tell you, go pull out the love letters that you wrote to each other years ago. Read those love letters. See if the flame doesn't start to ignite just a little bit. Remember, and I would tell you, repent. Because when you stood at a marriage altar, you took vows and we, and we, we emphasize the till death do us part. And we emphasize, well, better or worse or richer or poorer, sickness and in health. But oftentimes we forget that you didn't just promise to stay in it and be miserable for the sake of the kids till death do you part. You promised to love and to cherish each other until death did you part. Did you not? Now there's a difference. It's one thing to say, all right, we're together till death do us part come hell or high water. It's another thing to say, no matter what, we're gonna love each other, we're gonna cherish each other the entire time. And I would tell you, if you've stopped that, that's a problem. You're not really living up to the expectation that you promised. You need to be a person of your word, repent of that and return. Go back to where it used to be and just say, what were we doing then? Like when we were at our best, what did we do? Now, I don't know the answer to that, but I can guarantee you that there's probably two things. You probably spent more time together and you probably were a bit more transparent with each other. That's how relationships work at, at first and the fireworks start to go off because you want to spend time with each other and you, it's almost like you can't get enough of each other and there is this continual self-disclosure where you, re, you are revealing a piece of yourself a little bit at a time to that person and that time and transparency breeds trust and it ultimately brings a relationship together. And I would tell you, return to that. Go do that. Spend some more time together. Be more transparent. Some of you, you know, I've, I've told you, like, it's my most basic marriage advice. Take a walk around your neighborhood, just you two together, and have a conversation about three things that happened that day and how you felt about them. And guys, we have feelings, right? Our feelings are greater than hungry and angry. There's more of an emotional gamut that we possess. And make yourself, make yourself just go carve out a little bit of time and make yourself be a little bit transparent and see if it doesn't start to work. That's what I would tell you. I would tell you, remember, repent, return. And here's what Jesus tells the church. Your relationship with me, it's not the same. You're working hard and I appreciate it. I love all the acts of service and, and I, I love what you're doing and I love that you're taking a stand and I, I love that you're separating truth from error. But church, I want your heart. So remember what it was like. Now, I don't know if I'm talking to some people who have left their first love, but I'd have to think that I'm talking to a few at least. 
Answer this question. Was there, past tense, a time in your life that you loved Jesus more than you do right now? I'm not pausing for dramatic effect. I'm going to pause and let you answer that. Was there a time previously that you loved Jesus more than you do right now? Now, I love you enough to tell you the truth and to tell myself the truth because I need this just as much as you do. If there was, you're backslidden. See, I don't want to use that word anymore. That's backslidden. No, that's what it means. It means you've gone backwards. You don't love the same. And I want you right now to remember what was it like? I'm willing to bet it was good. When you love Jesus more, I'm willing to bet it was sweet. I'm willing to bet that you enjoyed it. That in some small way, probably even in a large way, you crave it and you want to get back there. How? Repent. Stop brushing it to the side like it's a little thing. Like it's trivial. Well, I do a lot of other stuff, you know. I've really beefed up my doctrinal game. I've really gone to town serving. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enduring a lot right now. Stop brushing it to the side like it's little. It's not. Name it for what it is. This is wrong. This is the first commandment. I shouldn't move on to commandment 13 if I can't do commandment number one. Now do both of them, but let's do commandment number one. In return, what was it you were doing? Now, I don't know the answer to that. That's somewhat subjective, but were you more faithful in your church attendance? Were you more consistent in opening up the Bible and reading it? Did you have greater effort when it came to prayer and you didn't just lollygag through it, but you put in some effort? Were you prayer journaling? Were you consistent in your generosity? Was there actually acts of service that was fueling your relationship with Jesus? I don't know what it was. You answer the question. Go back to when you were at your best and the relationship was sweetest with Jesus and you loved him the most and whatever it was you were doing then, just start by going back to that and return. And he says, I want you back. I want your heart. I don't just want your hands. I want your heart. Sometimes we go to God and we seek his hands and not his heart, right? I want your heart. Do you want my heart? That's what he says. Correct this. And here's what he says if you'll do it. There's this reward. It's a remarkable reward. Look at verse number, what is it? Verse number six or seven. He that hath an ear, verse seven. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, more to come on the tree of life in future sermons because this is a staple of the book of Revelation. So I'm just gonna make this really simple and short and sweet today. There's this promise to each of the churches that they will correct what Jesus is telling them to correct. That they, if they conquer the enemy, will be able to claim a reward. I'll put it that simple. Conquer the enemy, claim the reward. Now, I don't know about you, but in my own personal life, and even in our corporate life as a church, I want to conquer some enemies and claim some rewards. I don't want to sit on my hands. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, I'm here, but, you know, I just Netflixed my way here. I didn't really do much. I want to conquer some enemies and claim some rewards. And he says, if you will do this, be an overcomer, then, then there is some reward for you. So church, get back to that. So do you need to get back to it? Now, one final note. I find it very interesting. Verse number four, you left your first love. Verse number five, return to your first, and I expect them to say love. 
You left your first love, return to your first love. But what does he say? Read it with me, verse 5. He says, return to your first love. Thank you, three of you. (laughs) What does he say? Look at it. Verse 5, return to your first better. Isn't that interesting? You left your first love, but get back to your first works. What's up with that? The first love was the first work. I'd even put it this way. Love is work. I know that's countercultural. Culture is, I fell into love. And then I drift along on the lazy river of love, basking in the rays of love while going under the waterfall of love. And it's just so effortless and it's just so natural. And the love just springs out from me, right? And when you're infatuated with each, with each other in the early days of your relationship, it can almost feel that way. But listen to me, love is work. So work at it. You know the best times you have as a family when you get home from work, Dad? It's when you come ready to work with a family. Your best times with your family don't happen by accident where you come in and your tank is 100% depleted and you collapse on the couch and then just these magical family moments happen with your kids just out of nowhere. Ta-da! You and I both know that those good family nights happen when you show up with something left in the tank, or maybe there isn't something left in the tank, but you pray and you dig deep and you endure it and you say, you know what, I'm going to give my kids a good part of me tonight. And, and you show up and you engage and you work and you play the games and you put up with the annoyances and you engage and then that relationship goes to the next level. Ninety percent of your best dates are the ones that you planned and you prepared and you worked at not the ones that you just fell into because you had nothing better to do. Right? Am I right? My best prayer times are when I show up to prayer time ready to work. Ready to say, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and this is gonna take some effort, but I'm gonna buckle under, and I'm, I'm, or I'm not gonna buckle under, and I'm gonna work at this. Those are my best prayer times. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your extended family, your relationship with God is no different. The first love is the first work. So if anybody can do it, I dare say a blue collar Western PA group better be able to do this, but put on our work boots, strap in and work. And say, Jesus, I don't just want to say I love you and pray lovey-dovey things and say, would you help me to love you the end, but I'm going to work at it. And I would commend you if you can take this week and you can say, you know what, I'm going to work at loving Jesus. Don't worry about next week left. Think about the next seven days. What can you do to love Jesus well this week? What do you need to go back to this week to love him from the heart? How might you return to your first love? Remember, repent, return. Pray with me. Father, thank you for allowing us access to you, for allowing us to come boldly to your throne, to know you, to have relationship with you, This is a privilege that we do not want to forget or ignore. And Lord, forgive us. And Lord, not just us, forgive me for all the times where I let the stresses of life and the pressures of life and the 
Even the other relationships of life, the good relationships of my wife or my kids trump my relationship with you. God, we wanna, we wanna call it like it is. In my life, that's sin, that's wrong. And I wanna repent of that. I wanna lay that down and return to you and putting you in your proper place. Not just giving you a place of prominence, but a place of preeminence as the first love. Jesus, we want your help for this, but we also are telling you that we wanna do something. We wanna put in some effort. We know that this is not just going to be some lazy river we can float on. Jesus, I believe that we are a church that is relatively sound in our doctrine. I know that we're a church that we're willing to take a stand against wrong and say, that's, that's wrong, that's not right. I would like to think we're a church that can work and can, and can get some, some missionary partners going and can give us some money and can stand under some pressures. But Jesus, we wanna be above all that, a church that loves you and adores you and worships you and gives you what you deserve. So help us in this. We're ready to do our part, but we do need your gracious aid. We really do. This morning with our heads bowed, I want you to take an opportunity and I want you to talk to the Lord yourself. If you're a Christian in the room, think back to when it was better, if it was. Remember it. Remember how sweet it was. Repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. My relationship with you has not been what it needs to be. And then return. Get back to it. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can. You can love him because he first loved you. That's what the Bible says. He loved you and he gave himself for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and then he rose from the dead three days later. We sang about it all morning long. And if you've never put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus, he says, I will save you. I will forgive you. I will clean you up from those sins. I will give you eternal life if you'll put your trust in me. And if you've never put your trust in him, would you call out where you sit? Would you put your trust in him today? Would you just say, Jesus, I believe on you. I'm putting my faith on you. And I'm asking you to clean me and to forgive me and to save me. And I make you Lord of my life. It doesn't have to be those words exactly, but if you'll pray something like that, he'll, he says he'll save you. Don't leave her today if you've never made that decision. Make it and trust in him. Jesus, we're gonna come to you right now in closing and we're going to say not a bunch of requests and petitions, but we're just gonna say that we love you. I think all too often I seek your hands and not your face, not your heart. So I wanna grow in what it means to just love you and adore you and praise you and thank you and remember all the blessings that you've given before I give all the different things that are plugging my heart. We love you and we praise you as best we know how. In your name.
Amen. Well, I want to thank you, church, for listening this morning. We are going to close this morning with a baptism. I'll let Pastor Dom share a little bit of the story, but Matt is going to be baptized, and then we'll dismiss. It's always a joy to be able to have someone come for baptism, uh, and we're excited when somebody gets saved, but we're also excited to see them take that first step of obedience. And if you've never, re- if you've never received Jesus, you need to receive Jesus. If you have received Jesus and you've never been baptized, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Love to see you baptized. But I have here Matt, friend of the Knoll family, uh, here with us this morning. And, and Matt, have you received Jesus as your Savior? Yes, I did. That's fantastic. Then I get the privilege of baptizing you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And just before we're dismissed this morning, uh, many of you are already aware of this, it is Pastor Appreciation Month, but more specifically, it is today marks the six years since God led Pastor Mark to be our, our lead pastor. And we're super thankful for him. We're going to show a brief video and then we'll dismiss in just a moment. Mike, I don't know what's happening next, so I'm just going to shut up and step to the side. Yeah, if I can find the right mic. Grab the pink one. Pink. We're going pink. Can you hear me? Am I on? I'm on. All righty. Here we are. So, um, six years. <laughs> six crazy. years. Time flies, huh? So, I, I'm Brian Fuller. I'm one of the deacons here at the church, so I, I have the privilege of really having a front row seat of serving along with Pastor Mark and mm-hmm. by default, Maggie as well. So I don't want to forget about her in this as, as her partner, his partner in crime. Um, but it's a super privilege to be able to do that. And I get to see firsthand, day after day, week after week, his love for God, first and foremost, his love for all of you, and his commitment to this ministry. It's incredible. And we are truly blessed to have him here at Harvest. So with that said, compliments of all of you, we've collected a lot of cards. (laughs) That is a lot of cards. cards. That's incredible. So on behalf of the entire church family, there's a lot of notes of encouragement, a lot of, we've asked for memories, ways in which you've impacted many of these people in this room. 
and we look forward to your continued impact in serving with you in the years to come. So we just say, as you close for us every week and say how much you love us, we love you. Thanks. You're hungry and you want to go to lunch, I'll be brief. Um, number one, don't listen to what he said, he lies. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a normal person with normal struggles, just, just like you are, and I need to love Jesus more, and I need to love other people more. So that's number one. Number two is thank you for taking a chance on us. Uh, we were, pff, Maggie's a little bit older than me, I won't disclose how old, but I, I, was, I was 29 when you all asked me to serve on the pastoral team here in this role, which is crazy for me to think about that you all were willing to roll those dice and that's not lost on us. And, uh, and we, we really appreciate it. And we, I think out of everyone in the church that's grown over the last six years, me and Maggie had to have grown the most. And you all have invested in us and you've let us cut our teeth and you've let us make uh, mistakes and fail time and time again. And you've been patient and you've been gracious. And we're looking forward to the next six, and then the next six, and the next six. So I love you to pieces. I really do. And I can't thank you enough. I'm, I'm extremely surprised, and uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say other than I love you and I appreciate you. So on that note, God bless, guys. Love you. You're dismissed. Thank you.